0: Once there was a king by the name of Ahab Hello Who took a queen by the name of Jezebel Hello, I'm evil Ahab was a powerful king, but an easygoing sort of fellow So when Jezebel came into the picture, she began to make some changes Change the traits Yes, dear Build an altar Yes, dear Kill the prophets Uh, I don't want to Fine, I'll do it myself Needless to say, God didn't like this one bit And before long, Ahab found himself in a world of trouble Join us and discover where Ahab went wrong in Once Upon a Marriage. All right, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at Christ Church. Uh, Hey, glad you're all with us. Upper room, glad you're there today. Hope you're going to have a a powerful experience upstairs. And uh, we are in the middle of a series that is a challenging uh, series. Uh, once upon a marriage, uh, it's challenging uh, because, uh, well, we started out last week, Pastor Andrew did a great job of reminding us uh, the marriage is challenging, and a lot of times, uh, marriage just gets messy, right? So when we look at uh, biblical marriages, right, the marriages that actually exist there in the Bible, uh, we find that, uh, well, those marriages were pretty, uh, pretty messy, right? And uh, today uh, is no exception. Uh, to that uh, we're going to look at Ahab uh, and Jezebel right that should give you a tip there Jezebel uh, I mean uh, not many people name their children Jezebel these days uh, for a reason right pretty messed up and we're, we're going to see that uh, so first let's understand uh, who these people uh, were Ahab and Jezebel well Ahab uh, was a king that's why we find their story uh, in in uh, in Kings, First uh, Kings, and uh, Ahab was the king, one of the kings, many kings of the northern kingdom of Israel. Right, so the land of Israel gets split in, split into two at some point. There's a southern kingdom of Judah. There's a northern kingdom of Israel, and uh, Ahab becomes that king of the northern king, kingdom of Israel, and we get insight from First Kings 16 here into what kind of guy uh, Ahab was and what kind of king uh, he was. It says, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign uh, in Judah. He reigned in Samaria for 22 years. So he's king in northern Israel. His reign lasts 22 years, not a very long time. There's a good reason for that. Uh, Look at verse 30. But Ahab son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight even more than any of the kings before him. He is top of the list on the list you don't want to be on, right? He is like the worst of the worst of the worst of uh, all the kings that have been been kings uh, of of Israel, right? And he's the worst, not simply because he's a pretty messed up guy, uh, but he is the worst... Because he walks away from the Lord, right? He walks away from the living God. He doesn't rule as a prince of the living God. Instead, he rules around his own needs, his own wants, his own desires. And so when scripture evaluates Ahab, it says, man, he was top of the list on being the worst of the kings of Israel. When we get into who this person is and we look at how he ruled and the relationships that he had, especially his relationship with Jezebel, we get some insight into what he brought into those relationships and especially what he brought into his marriage relationship. Uh, If you start looking at these citations, and uh, on your notes, by the way, uh, the first citation is 1 Kings 20, 43. It's wrong in your notes. Get it out. Scribble it. Put the right citation in there. Uh, But this is the right citation. And uh, what we see in Scripture when it comes to Ahab, there, there is a phrase that reoccurs around Ahab. It says that he was angry and sullen. Angry and sullen. Basically, he had anger issues, right? He didn't get his way, and so he simply got angry. But when he got angry, what did he do? He went and pouted. Right? He'd get all upset, he'd get all angry, and then he would withdraw and he would just go pout, right? Didn't get his way, so he'd get all upset. He'd get in somebody's face, he'd get angry, and then he'd withdraw and he'd just pout. In fact, there's one instance here in, uh, in 1 Kings uh, 21 where Ahab wants this vineyard, right? Another guy owns the vineyard. Ahab wants the vineyard. He goes to the guy, he offers him price for the vineyard. The guy says, Nope, this vineyard's a birthright, it's been in my family, not gonna sell it, not interested. Ahab gets all angry about the thing. It says he goes back to his palace. He goes in his room. He closes the door, and he stays in there for days, just not eating, sleeping, whining, and pouting. Do we know anybody like that? Don't anybody be kind of doing this right now, okay? That's not allowed this morning, right? But you know, I mean, right. It's so easy. Yeah, there you go. It's so easy to to fall in that. I mean, I've shared that with you from the platform before, right? My marriage relationship. I'm I kind of, you know, often I withdraw, so I'm going to show her, I'm just going to be quiet for a while, you know. And, okay, well, this is Ahab, right? He just kind of falls into this pattern, getting angry, pouting, uh, and, and withdrawing, right? In contrast, you have his lovely wife, Jezebel. And Jezebel uh, was a Sidonian princess. So she and Ahab got married because it was a political alliance, okay, so they get married she is a Sidonian princess and uh, she brings some things with her for instance she brings her own god right it says although it was not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam Ahab married Jezebel the daughter of king Ethbal of the Sidonians and he Ahab began to bow down in worship to Baal so Jezebel becomes his wife she brings with, him, with her her own god Baal, she begins to influence her husband and the king of Israel begins to build altars to the foreign god of Baal. And so we learn some things about Jezebel. What did she bring to the marriage? Well, Jezebel will see over and over again in 1 Kings that she is a fantastic manipulator, right? She just is a woman who wants her own way and she will fundamentally do anything she can to get her own way. And so in 1 Kings, she is a follower of Baal, and so she just says, I'm going to kill all the prophets of this one true God of Israel thing. I'm just going to kill all those prophets. And she just manipulates the situation and her husband Ahab to make sure that that begins to happen. When there's a throwdown between the prophet Elijah, which is God's prophet, and the prophets of Baal, her God, and Baal loses... She gets angry, and her response is, kill a guy. I just want him gone. Ahab, this guy, death warrant, get rid of him, right? And uh, for her, then, happiness is defined by simply her getting her way, right? As long as I get my way, I'm happy. And she is a manipulator. She is one that just is out after her own way. She lives for herself, and she will do absolutely anything to get her own way. And we get one glimpse, one insight into the marriage relationship between Ahab and uh, Jezebel when we look at 1 Kings 21. So this is the pickup on the story I told you about. He's in, in his room, and he's sleeping and not eating, and he's whining, and he's pouting because he couldn't buy the vineyard, right? And his wife Jezebel comes in with all kindness and compassion in her heart and says, Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. Listen, you can't do it, I'll get the darn vineyard. I mean, you get a little attitude in there, right? There's a great translation that says, some kind of king of Israel you are. She walks in and she belittles her husband, takes things into her own hands, commits murder in his name, and she gets the vineyard. What do we learn from all this? well scripture would summarize it in first kings 21 and say this is a pretty messy marriage so if you're here this morning you got a message marriage. messy marriage you're in the right place welcome you're here this morning and you've had a marriage dissolve because it got just overwhelmingly messy you're in the right place welcome You're here this morning, and you're thinking about marriage. You're moving along that track with somebody, but you're not so sure, and things sometimes get kind of messy, and you're kind of questioning and doubting. You're in the right place. Welcome. We look at Ahab, and we look at Jezebel, and Scripture says, no one else so completely sold himself to what what, uh, was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did. How? Under the influence of his loving and adoring wife, Jezebel. This is a pretty messed up marriage. What do we learn from this messed up marriage? Other than the reality of what we learned last week, that, you know what, marriages get messy. Here's a fundamental truth, I think, Ahab and Jezebel teach us about marriages. When we get into marriages, we bring baggage with us. We just finished the baggage series, Right? All that baggage that we talked about, when we get into marriages, we bring that baggage with us into the marriage, right? When we're in that courtship kind of experience, we, you know, get to know this other person and we see so many good qualities that we like and and we tend to look beyond the baggage kind of stuff, right? Uh, Especially if we've already begun sexually intimate with one another, That's why God says wait, because when you get sexually intimate, that just kind of blurs your vision about that other person. It's really hard to see the baggage that's there. But we kind of, and then we enter in, we look beyond the baggage, we enter into marriage, and we start living together, we start learning who this person really is, and what do we discover? Baggage. Jill and I have been married for 40 years. She's been perfect every year, all the time. But I came with a lot of baggage, okay? Yeah, thank you, yeah. Tell her I said that with you. I don't know if she's here. Tell her I said that. We have little little points along the way, right? But, you know, I mean, that's just the simple truth, right? When we come into these marriages, we come into these marriages, the people that we are, and we're broken people. And marriage is a package deal, right? You get the whole person, those qualities that you like, those qualities you admire, those qualities you seek, those qualities that encourage you. But with those qualities come their brokenness. And their baggage. The same was true with Ahab and with Jezebel. The same is true with us, and that's why our marriages can get really messy. That's also why scripture in Ephesians 4, Paul, as he's preparing to talk about marriage in Ephesians 5, as he begins to lay the groundwork, prepared to talk about that, he says, Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, doing what? Make allowances for each other's baggage see it make allowances understand this is the person you married. this is the person that you're committed to and it's a package deal what we get to do as we as we walk with christ and and deal with these messy marriages is we get to understand how to deal with the baggage how to be committed to the marriage and be able to deal with the baggage Uh, Peter, the apostle Peter says in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives treat your wife with understanding as you live together have you noticed how easy it is to get short with your spouse and how often you're patient out there in the world with other people but when you get home when you get home somehow all of a sudden you get short with your spouse nobody else has had that experience in the room huh? I mean, I'm, yeah, there you go, thank you. I'm admitting it, right, you know? I mean, I know I ought to get short with you guys, right? But no, I go get short with, no, I shouldn't get, well, maybe I should, right? But you get the gist, right? The reality is so often we have our spouse pay the expense for our baggage as well as their baggage. If we're going to have godly marriages, right, not, not biblical marriages, but But godly marriages, right? How how do we do that? Well, we do that by understanding it's a package deal. We do that by understanding, hey, they have baggage too. And we're in it. We're in it together. We're in it. And so we make allowances for their fault. Because we understand that we are equal partners in God's gift of this new life. We are equal partners committed to each other for the success of our marriage relationship and our family. And so we step into not just biblical marriages that are often messy, but we step into godly marriages. We step in trying to imitate what God has already done for us. You see it all over scripture. Paul, if The apostle Peter says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, especially husbands and wives, right? Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters." Be what? Tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. How many times has it rolled out of our mouths in our marriages when we say, you know, you got a problem. you you got, a, you got an issue. You need to go deal with your issue. If somehow it's only theirs. When we're in marriage, no. When in marriage, we move from I to we. We move from I to we. If you've been uh, familiar with the Scripture, Jesus quotes an Old Testament passage. You may have heard it a lot of weddings, right? Where it says, A man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall be gone. What's the answer? What's the number? The two shall become one. You know the verse, right? The two shall become one. It's moving from the I to the we. What about Ahab and Jezebel? How did they live their marriage? They lived their marriage totally about the I. Totally about me. It was all about me getting my way. That's totally in contrast to the way God lives and works as he looks at us. He's totally about us. He's totally about encouraging, forgiving, being compassionate, kind. He's totally about giving us a new future in spite of the messes that we make. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, doing what? Forgiving one another. Why? Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. If you're in a a messy marriage or maybe you've been through a messy marriage, here's a great question for you. What can you do today in your marriage that will be a blessing for your spouse? I mean, what can you do today in your marriage that will simply be something that thinks about them more than thinks about yourself? How can you simply bless them today? This is the fundamental, foundational understanding that that the Bible brings to us about marriage. Ahab, Jezebel, they lived in total contrast to this principle. Life was all about them, each, each living for themselves. What, what biblical marriages, no, what godly marriages, right? What godly marriages encourage us to look like is that we live not for ourselves, but we live for who? We live for the other. We live for the other. We put ourselves lower and we lift our spouse higher. Ephesians 5. Paul begins to talk to husbands and wives in Ephesians 5. And he says, imitate God. So this is exactly what God does for us, right? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. That would include what? Your marriage, right? In everything you do. That would include your marriage. In everything you do, because you are your children. Live a life filled with love. Of course, yes, we want that in our marriage. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. All right, what is the example of Christ? He's saying, listen, live a life filled with love. Jesus is the example of what love looks like. So what does love look like according to Jesus? Well, he loved us, and he offered himself as a, what's the word? Sacrifice. That's what love looks like. Ahab, Jezebel could not understand that concept. They could not understand that's how marriage works. They were all about themselves. Godly marriages imitates God and helps us step into sacrifice. We put ourselves lower and we lift our spouse higher. Always, always, all situations, even in your marriage, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, Make allowances for each other's faults and baggage, right? There it is. Because what? Make make allowances for each other's faults because of your love that looks like Christ. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together in peace. Godly marriages step into sacrifice. We don't imitate Ahab. We don't imitate Jezebel. We imitate Christ and it's really a clear statement it's such a simple concept honor Christ and do what? put others first that's it now you hear that this morning you say whoa okay my marriage is messy Uh, how do I do that? I mean I get it I'm supposed to bless them I'm supposed to put them first but I got a lot of baggage How, how do I do that? simple start You start with your relationship with Christ. You start with your relationship with Christ. If you want to understand how to practice love, you got to go to the person that understands what love looks like. If you want to understand what it means to be committed in your marriage and and put that spouse first and bless them, you got to go to the person that understands what that looks like and has accomplished it for you. He put you first. He gave him his life because he thought of you. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about you. He wasn't thinking about himself like Ahab and Jezebel. He was thinking about you. So where do we start? Well, we start with him. We simply start with him. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. So here's a rational, simple question. When you start building your marriage, whose wisdom do you want to build your marriage on? Do you want to rely on your wisdom? That would be Ahab and Jezebel, right? Do you want to rely on your wisdom, or do you want to rely on the wisdom of the person that created the universe? Don't know about you. I kind of follow the uh, Forrest Gump rule. Uh, I'm not a very smart man, right? But the God of the universe, yeah, he is. Which wisdom do you want to start with? You want to stick with your wisdom, Ahab, Jezebel? Or you want to start imitating God, exercising the wisdom of God? It means you just start with growing deeper in your own relationship with Christ. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you may remember Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 22, where he tries to summarize the, the commandments, right, of the Old Testament. He tries to summarize all the commandments in the Old Testament. He boils it down to, to two commandments, right? And he says, one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Where does he start? He starts with your own relationship with the living God, doesn't he? He starts there. Start there. Sounds wise. Start there. But where does he move next? He starts with your own relationship with the living God. And then next he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, a second is equally important. Love your spouse as yourself. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, it says neighbor. Really? Neighbor would be spouse? You're going to value your neighbor more than you're going to value your spouse? Come on, people. You can take that verse and just put in there neighbor slash spouse. Or better yet, put spouse slash neighbor. Start with your spouse. Start with your spouse. What is love? He already showed us. Love is sacrifice. Start with your spouse. How do you do that? I'm going to encourage you to just take a simple, simple step. If your marriage is messy, even if your marriage has been dissolved and you're struggling with the aftermath of that, just, just take this simple step right here. One, start growing your own relationship with Christ. Start growing your relationship with Christ. Get engaged in his word. Get involved in a group of Christians, right? Get in a small group. Keep coming to worship. Just get engaged in growing your relationship with Christ because that's going to spill over into your relationship with your spouse. How does that start to spill over? Grow your relationship with Christ and intentionally just start praying for your spouse. Remember, earlier I asked you a question. I said, What what could you do today? What could you do this very day that would be a blessing for your spouse? I have a simple answer start praying for them today. Just start praying for them. Put them first. Don't, Don't go into your prayers and start praying, Lord, I really need you today. I'm looking at a promotion, and I really need you to work in my life, and I really need you to help me today, and I really need you to encourage me today. Start with your spouse. Just start thinking about them. Just start spiritually dwelling about them. Just start lifting them up before the Lord. Just start with them. Understand what they're going through with life. Understand the baggage they deal with every day. Understand the struggle and the mess that they go through every day. Start not with yourself. Don't be like Ahab and Jezebel. Start with them. Just start praying for them. Here's what happens. When you as a husband start praying for your spouse, when you as a wife start praying for your husband, right? When you both start praying for each other, you're going to keep praying for each other, praying for each other, and you're going to find out God's going to keep working and growing you spiritually, and before you know it, you're going to be so much closer than you ever imagined you could be in your marriage. Not because of what you do, but because of what he does. So just start there. If you're in a messy marriage, if you're in a messy relationship, whatever it is, and we know they're all messy and they take work and they take effort, right? Just start here. Just start getting serious about Christ and start just praying for and putting your spouse first, even in the simplest of your prayers. His wisdom is greater than our wisdom. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Do not depend on your own Understanding. What do we learn from Ahab and Jezebel? When we depend on ourselves, when we depend on our own understanding, our marriages are not only messy, but we grow further and further apart. Exactly what happened to Ahab and Jezebel. Their marriage was messy, and they eventually grew further and further and further apart. Start here just start with christ work on your own relationship and start praying for your spouse let's do that now let's pray this morning lord we come to you this morning uh we come as broken people uh we got our own baggage and and lord we bring that into our relationships and uh, especially into our marriages we know it's a package deal and so lord we pray this morning that uh you would help us as husbands and wives or in our relationships to, to deal with that baggage not alone, but, but with each other, to encourage one another, support one another, to go ahead and tag the bag and, and be honest about the baggage and, and find a way together how we can just move to forgiveness and understanding, how we can grow one another. So, Lord, we pray for just even the simplest of steps this morning, that we can get serious about our relationship with you and we can begin to even just just pray for our spouse. Just begin to put them first, even in the smallest of places in our prayers. We just pray for every marriage in the room today that uh, your Holy Spirit would overshadow them in the midst of the mess and that they could experience that reassurance today that you are absolutely committed to them. You are committed to them beyond their faults, beyond their failures. You see them through Christ, and you are willing to forgive, encourage, strengthen, and bring them to a new place. So do what only you can do, we ask, in Jesus' precious name, amen.